Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littmer, and I'm one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. And I find it interesting, my friends, how certain things from years ago will stick in your mind. I might not remember what I had for supper last night, but hearing a particular word or seeing a particular thing can bring a memory flooding back. That happened to me as I was reading. I recalled back to the time when I was a small boy in the early grades of elementary school. My oldest sister was taking home economics in high school and was given the assignment of creating a cake from scratch at home. So she set her sights on creating a chocolate cake and as I recall every inch of counter space in the kitchen was covered with bowls and mixers, egg cartons and flour, everything was pretty much a mess. Finally, all the ingredients were mixed. The batter had been poured into the pan, and all that remained was for the baking to be done. So into the oven it went. As the baking time went on and my sister would look in on the cake, it began to become apparent that something was just not right. The cake was not rising. As a matter of fact, when the baking time was over and she brought it out of the oven, It was only, maybe, at best, a half inch thick. Thick crust pizza is thicker than my sister's homemade from scratch chocolate cake was. It didn't taste too bad. It just wasn't very thick. Obviously, she had forgotten the yeast. She had forgotten the leaven and had not used self-rising flour. Leaven has characteristics that cause the Holy Spirit to use it to illustrate the invasion of teaching that simply is not correct into the body of divine truth. Literally, the leaven is sourdough in a high state of fermentation, mixed with new dough to prepare for baking. Yeast is what causes the fermentation. Leaven was forbidden in the house of the Jews during the seven days of Passover as a reminder of the haste with which the Israelites left Egypt. It takes time for leaven to do its work. And if we look at Deuteronomy chapter six and, or 16 and verse 3, we find, You shall not eat leavened bread with it. Seven days you shall eat it with unleavened bread, the bread of affliction. For you came out of the land of Egypt in haste in order that you may remember all the days of your life in the day when you came out of the land of Egypt. In the New Testament, leaven was used to illustrate the effect of teaching, particularly teaching that was not true. Since the fermenting quality of leaven indicated the effect it had upon new dough, the corrupting quality of error upon truth is used in comparison. We'll go to Matthew chapter 16 and read verses 5 through 12. In that passage, the Bible says, And the disciples came to the other side and had forgotten to take bread. And Jesus said to them, Watch out and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. 
And they began to discuss among themselves, saying, It is because we took no bread. But Jesus, aware of this, said, You men of little faith, why do you discuss among yourselves that you have no bread? Do you not yet understand or remember the five loaves of the five thousand, and how many baskets you took up? Or the seven loaves of the four thousand, and how many large baskets you took up? How is it that you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread? But beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood that he did not say to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Interestingly, the belief that these two sects of the Jews held differed greatly in certain very significant areas, and yet the same warning was given regarding both of them. It is the point to be understood. It really makes no difference as far as the nature of the teaching that is not true. What matters is that what being taught is not true according to the teaching of the Lord, and the need to be aware of all of it, and the damage it can do. If we think about it, there are some clear similarities that can be seen in the working of leaven and dough, and the working of error in religion. Let's consider just a few. For instance, leaven works silently, and we could say secretly. When we see, or what we see with leaven, is the effect of its work, not the work itself. Leaven spreads by contact. It must touch to be effective. Leaven affects the whole lump. Left alone, the leaven will permeate the entire loaf. It changes every particle it becomes into contact with into its own kind. The only way it can be destroyed is by purging it out of the lump. No part of it can be permitted to remain or it will begin its work all over again. It takes only a little to do the job. Come with me to the book of Galatians, where we can see clearly the evidence of leaven-like character of teaching that simply isn't true. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 7 through 9, Paul wrote the following, You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion did not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough. Throughout Paul's letter to the Galatians, there are several statements made that indicate that the Galatians were departing from the gospel that they had had preached to them by Paul and that they had embraced and obeyed. As we look to chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, we are told, I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is really not another, only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. In chapter 3 and verse 1, we find, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? In chapter 4, verses 9 through 11, we find, But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how is it that you turn back again to the weak and worthless elemental things, to which you desire to be enslaved all over again? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that perhaps I have labored over you in vain. Skipping on down to verse 16, we find, Have I therefore become your enemy by telling you the truth? And then, as we've already seen, chapter 5 and verse 7 asks, 
You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? The situation the Galatian brethren found themselves in was serious. Some of them have allowed themselves to be removed to another gospel, if I might put it that way. They were not obeying the truth that they had been taught. They were turning to what Paul referred to as weak and worthless elemental things and were no longer running the race of a Christian well. What had brought about this problem? Why had some of them turned from the truth? The answer is easy and supplied in the letter. It was because of teaching that had taken place by some among them that simply was not true. There were those teaching that Gentiles had to abide by parts of the law of Moses to be saved. That was the primary false teaching that was being done in Galatia. But any kind of teaching that is not true and that is tolerated and ultimately embraced will accomplish the same result. Where did all of the different churches and denominations come from? All Bible students readily admit that there were no differing churches, no differing denominations in the first century. Where then did they all come from? They came from teaching that simply was not true, not in accord with the Word of God that was allowed to spread. They came from man-made doctrines, from man-made ideas. Did we all note that Paul said a little leaven leavens the whole lump? That is a pretty clear warning to all that a little false teaching will eventually affect the whole body. How much that is not true can be tolerated. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that I am absolutely certain what every passage and statement in the Bible means. It would be the height of arrogance for anyone to do so, besides the fact that it wouldn't be true. However, there are things that are simply not true. I marvel when speaking to those who are members of a denomination and they tell me that they realize that this doctrine or that doctrine practiced and believed by their denominations is not found in the scriptures and sometimes is contrary to what is taught in the scriptures. But what about all that they teach that is right? I must say that a lot of younger adults could not care less. The idea is prevalent that there is no absolute right or wrong in religion, only what is right or wrong for the individual. That is a popular and growing mindset. But as it grows, it grows further and further away from what is actually true. How much that is false should we accept? My friends, the answer is none. None that we know is error. Error is like leaven. It does not stop halfway. It works until it affects all. I marvel as well when I speak to those who are members of the body of Christ and yet want to extend the right hand of fellowship to those who embrace error. I don't know why some don't seem to remember 2 John 9-11. through 11. It just doesn't seem to sink in. John wrote, Anyone who goes too far and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. The one who abides in the teaching, he has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house and do not give him a greeting. For the one who gives him a greeting participates in his evil deeds. John said that anyone who gives encouragement to those who embrace error and teach false doctrine 
are as guilty as the false teachers themselves. How much error is to be accepted? Well, look at Galatians 2 verses 4 and 5. But it was because of the false brethren who sneaked in to spy out our liberty which we have in Christ Jesus in order to bring us into bondage. But we did not yield in subjection to them for even an hour so that the truth of the gospel might remain with you. Paul wrote that he would not give those who taught that which was not true free reign to spread their false doctrine, not for even an hour. Generally speaking, when one comes with error, he or she does it a little at a time, and that is all that it takes if the elders and other members of a congregation are not vigilant. In time, a little yeast will affect the whole lump. Simply leave a little error alone in a congregation of people, and soon the whole body will be led away from the truth. There really is only one way to destroy the leavening effect of false teaching and error, and it is pointed out in 1 Corinthians 5, verses 6 through 8. Paul wrote, Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Clean out the old leaven that you may be a new leaven, just as you are in fact unleavened. For Christ our Passover also has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the feast not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. The only way to be a new lump, untainted by the leaven of error and that which is simply not true, is to get rid of that error, rooted out and completely purge the false doctrine. A little error tolerated is all that it takes. Since we are currently in 1 Corinthians 5, I need to mention that in addition to error and teaching that simply is not true according to the gospel of Christ, leaven is also used to illustrate the corrupting nature of sin and wicked practices. A little false doctrine cannot be tolerated because it will affect the whole group of people eventually. And a little sin, unrepented of, cannot be tolerated either. The specifics of the case of 1 Corinthians 5 are pointed out in the first two verses, where Paul wrote, It is actually reported that there is immorality among you, an immorality of such a kind as does not exist even among the Gentiles, that someone has his father's wife. And you have become arrogant, and have not mourned instead, in order that the one who done this deed might be removed from your midst. The danger was not only to the individuals involved in the particular sin, but to every member of the congregation in Corinth. Hence, do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? It is well known that one rotten apple will infect a whole barrel if they are left together. In that same sense, a little false teaching, a little sin allowed to go without repentance, will destroy the whole body where it is tolerated. The only way to save the barrel of good apples is to get rid of the bad apple. The whole barrel of good apples will never make one bad apple good. Neither will a whole body of believers make one false teacher sound and good doctrinally by tolerating his error. A whole body of faithful followers of the Lord will not make one unrepentant sinner one whit better by tolerating the sin 
and extending the right hand of fellowship to him or her as they continue in what is wrong. For the good of the person teaching the false doctrine, for the good of the person involved in the sin, for the good of the person practicing things that we know are not in accord with God's word, and for the good of the entire group of people, action must be taken. How much error should we tolerate? How much teaching and belief that is not according to what the scriptures teach should we just turn a blind eye to? How much sin can be tolerated within a congregation when a sinner refuses to repent? Well, my friends, as far as I can tell, none. We cannot betray the truth of the gospel bought and paid for by the blood of Christ by tolerating even a little leaven because it will eventually leaven the whole lump. Words to think about. Thanks for listening.